everybody. Welcome to Hey Watch This. I'm Paul Goebel. I'm David Bax. Oh, that's who I knew I recognized you. <laughs> I knew you looked familiar. Yeah, we are both in the same room for the first time in almost a month. <laughs> almost well, a month. Well, that's not true. We've actually been in the same room a couple of times in the past couple WonderCon. Weeks. We went and, to right, have, and, uh, did that. Uh, Hollywood Center Studios just a few nights ago. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I, t- I took David and Tom to see... Um, uh, at midnight taping. The the thing is, uh, I'll tell you this. My friend Penny, actually Brooke's friend Penny, is in town visiting from Toronto. And wh- and when we were planning the visit, she says, uh, well, we're going to go up to um, Santa Barbara for a couple days. But is there a show or something we could go see here? And I'm like, well, let's see. Who's on Conan this week? Uh, oh, he's on vacation. And I'm like, okay. And... You know, I used to have a bunch of people I could reach out to, but not a lot of shows are here now. Mm-hmm. But I was like, well, I could try at midnight. And she goes, who would be on there that I like? And I go, well, let's see. And at the time, they only had one person listed, but it was Emo Phillips, uh-huh. who, of course, is great. Yeah. But he just happens to be Brooks' favorite comedian of all time. Not a joke. She has told, before we were married, when we started dating, when she found out I was a comedian, of course, that was one of the first things I asked her. Who's your favorite comedian? And she said, Emo Phillips. And I said, oh, that's weird. Because I would assume it was someone Canadian, like John Doerr. Or, you sure. know, someone really funny like Holly that. Holly Mandel. <laughs> well. Maurice LaMarche. <laughs> who is a great voiceover artist. Did you ever used it, to see his stand-up? Um, no, I've never seen his stand-up. I know, he, he, I know he started, he like came up with Howie Mandel. Well, he used to do time. impressions. That He was right. an impressionist. But he was pretty funny. But he's been on Battleship Pretension. He's an incredibly nice guy. And he's a way super talented. If you don't know Maurice LaMarche's work, you don't watch a cartoon ever, I think. Yeah. I think, what, do you, <laughs> what would you say he's most famous for? Well, I... Different- I think he, his big thing was Animaniacs. He did like right. all the impressions on Animaniacs. And then he was the brain. Right. And was, so they got their own spinoff show, Pinky and the Brain. Exactly. He was, he was the brain. But then after that, Futurama. Yeah. Obviously. He does a lot of voices, including uh, Hedonism Bot. <laughs> yeah. One of Very funny. <laughs> Which we got him when he was on Battleship Retention, if you go way, way back. Yeah. We got him to do Hedonism Bot on the podcast. Yeah, he's a cool guy. Um, so she's like, what? Emo Phillips? And she couldn't go see him because they had this trip to Santa Barbara planned and I had already asked for the tickets for three people. So I was like, okay, I'll find someone to go when I find out who the other people are on the show. Then, a couple weeks later, they announced the other two people. It's Reggie Watts and Rachel Bloom. Uh-huh. And of course, Rachel Bloom, Golden Globe winner on one of our favorite shows, uh-huh. one of the shows that we all watch and enjoy. And of course, as we all know, I discovered Rachel Bloom. Sure. Yeah. And, it's my, and it's because of me she's famous, so she's uh-huh. actually a friend. So I was like, wow, this would be a great night. Too bad you can't go. Um, so I asked Tom and David to go. But the best part was when I was typing back the names of all three of us people who's, you know, they, they, they wanted the names of the tickets. I was doing it on my phone, so it auto-corrected to David Bad. Yeah. <laughs> it said Tom Griffin, Paul Goble, David Bad. And I emailed that, and then Tom... <laughs> responded to it with the hashtag ruin a film critic. <laughs> right, yeah. And I liked it when they sent me the, you forwarded me the PDF of the ticket. Yeah. The file name was Bad David. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then when I got there, because I was, I got there right when they started and Tom and David apparently were milling around not seeing each other. Yeah. They were both on opposite sides of a wall. Yeah. <laughs> when I walked in. But I'm like, hey guys. And then uh, Michelle, the girl who got us the tickets is like, are you Paul? And I'm like, hi, nice to meet you. 
And I go, this is Tom, and this is David Bad. <laughs> and, and Tom giggled. But it was a great night. It was fun because it wasn't like one of those rapid-fire ones where they're just saying a ton of jokes and shit. Most of it was, I mean, obviously all of it was written beforehand. But because Rachel's not really a stand-up and neither is Reggie, he's more, you know, music and shit like that. And Emo, of course, is one of the slowest stand-up comics in history. <laughs> so it wasn't one of those rapid-fire ones, but man, the jokes were fucking hysterical. Were jokes. I will say, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't know if I'm made for the live studio audience thing as a natural introvert. Yeah, it's it, that, it's a like, job, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you really, they really did put you to work in terms of keep yeah. smiling and keep clapping. And it's like, I'm enjoying myself, but this wouldn't be my normal reaction. No, and you know, and you know what? My hands are kind of dry, and it's kind of hurting all this fucking my, clapping. My uh, right hand yeah. hurt from clapping against my wedding ring so much. There you much. go, yeah, because you're not used to it. And that's why, I, you know, when, uh, when like, those... If you're paid to be an audience member, uh-huh. the way a lot of like new people to Hollywood are, it's not fun. Because first of all, you're getting forty bucks for three hours, which is not a lot of money. Right. Uh, and if you don't do what you're told, they'll send you home. If 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 you don't smile and act happy, and and when they got a shot of you, they'll say, "Look, you're not doing, you're earning your forty bucks. Get out of here." Yeah. It's not just sitting. So this, so but if you're VIP, they're a little nicer to you because they know you're not some dumbass. Right. I'll tell you a story about sitting in an audience. So I want to follow up by saying I did all that smiling and clapping. Yeah. Watch the episode. I'm nowhere to be seen. I no. could have sat there stone-faced. None of us are, no. And it would not have affected They mainly the want the sound, the yeah, reaction, yeah, yeah. so it's not canned laughter or something. But uh, I heard this story. I don't know if it's true, but I'm pretty sure it is. Um, when Karen Kilgareth was a writer for Ellen, uh-huh. head writer, I believe, uh, back in the day, she brought her friend Zach Galifianakis to a taping. Many, many, many years ago. Yeah. And, of course, the beginning, the uh, before they start the show, there's always warm-up and stuff, like there was with our guy. Yeah. He gave us warm-up throughout uh, T-shirts and all stuff. But with Ellen, what do you think they do mainly for the warm-up at the Ellen show? Oh, you have to dance? Of course. They play music and everyone dances. So then when she comes out, they lose their shit. They're already amped up and standing up and dancing. Uh-huh. So, of course, when she comes out, they're, they're literally jumping up and down. So that's what they do there. Well, of course, Zach Galifianakis would have none of it. Uh-huh. He's sitting in the audience, and when they get up to dance, he not necessarily has a defiant move, but just this: this I, I'm not doing this, and I'm not expected to do this, and uh, I'd rather just sit here and watch. And I, I heard the rumor is that Ellen DeGeneres is backstage watching the audience and says, "What the fuck? Who, what's with that guy with the beard? What's his problem?" Well, get him out of here, she says. And Karen has to say, no, no, no. That's my friend, Zach. He's a comedian. He, he's not trying to ruin things. He just, that's him. Uh-huh. And she's like, oh, okay. But she was getting ready to kick him out because he refused yeah. to dance. And, of course, now he's almost as popular as her. I would say he's bigger than her, but I, I, don't, I don't think so. Yeah. In the, in the world of daytime TV. Well, more on Ellen DeGeneres later. <laughs> yeah? Right? Mm. Sure. Why not? Um, so, uh, so that was fun. And, uh, if any, I've gotten friends in, if you want to, if you're a good friend and you want something fun to do, the good thing about at midnight is it's almost like the lottery cause they do it. They do, uh, four shows a week and two on Thursday. So they always need new people for new audiences. And you're, you got a one in three shot of seeing a really good comedian. And sometimes if you're, 
on you know if you're got your timings right, you're three for three, and it's it's super funny. And yeah, we we saw a great show. Yeah, it was. I was glad that I DVR didn't watch it because there are a lot of things that I missed. Yeah, because you don't hear you can't hear. You're not doing the sound for the studio audience. Yeah, so often there are things that that yeah because people are laughing or clapping. Um, Yeah, yeah, emo's joke about right at the beginning about what to visit in Google Town. Yeah. Did you? I, I didn't hear it on the day. No. Did but, you watch yeah. it? Yeah. That's a great joke. Yes. <laughs> so many great jokes. Well, that one about when it showed the Trumps with the shovel, and he said, I don't know what it'll be called, but it'll yeah. be groundbreaking. But he said, in Google Town, you should make sure to visit the Civil War. Did you mean Silverware Museum? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I remember, I remember hearing him going, what did he say about Silverware? But everyone was laughing at what everyone else said, I think specifically uh, Reggie, who said you go to McGoogled's and visit the Googler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that made me laugh out loud. Uh, but it was a blast. It was fun. Um, okay, so other things that happened TV-wise, I watched Winona Earp okay. on Sci-Fi. No good. Oh. It's 100% Canadian. It's based on a graphic novel, which sounds interesting. She's, you know, of course, a descendant of Wyatt Earp. Mm-hmm. And there's vampires and other demons and shit in the town of, uh, uh, what do they call it, Purgatory. But it just wasn't good. It was, you know, it was a fucking second-rate Canadian show, I'm sorry to say. Sorry, Canadians. It was one of your shitty Canadian shows. Um, I also watched The Catch. Did you see The Catch yet? Uh, no, that's with Peter Krause? Yeah, that's Peter Krause, Marie Enos, playing a very different character from The Killing. But it's, again, it's not good. It's clearly they want like Shonda uh, these Shondaland shows, How to Get Away with Murder and uh, Scandal, and then this one, The Catch. They all they all are the same. There's the over, there's the year long, the season long arc, and basically something huge happens at the beginning of the season, and they spend the entire rest of the season recovering from it or fixing it. And in the meantime, there's you know just uh, stories for each episode, right? They do the same thing on the catch, so much so that it's kind of corny. It's kind of like, I'm tired of seeing this. It's almost like it's become a formula now, you know what I mean? I mean, isn't that the formula of television in a lot of ways? Isn't it always been that way? I guess, but if you have like three shows in a row that have that formula and, and, and the characters all speak with the same pattern, right. they're all, every one of them is populated with... Super smart, strong, beautiful women. I'm saying in one night, by 10 o'clock, it's a little much, <laughs> is what I'm saying. I, you know, thank God there are so many shows uh, with all these strong, smart, beautiful women on them. But do they all have to be on Thursday night? Do they all have to be on the same three shows? It seems like on the catch, you got Miria Enos, who's the star of this thing. Everything happens around her. She's got a partner. In this private investigation firm they work in. She's a beautiful black woman. Um, Peter Krause's girlfriend and partner in their scam is Sonia Walger. Oh. Who's, is there a more beautiful woman on TV than Sonia Walger? And of course she's a complete badass on the show. Because she's the bad version of these other women. Um, and, and then the other chicks who work in this, in this uh, private investigative thing they work in. And it's just... It's like, I get it. Yes, women are awesome. Sisters are doing it for themselves. I get it. 
But in the meantime, <laughs> how about a good show? Because honestly, it does itself a disservice. And here's why. Why don't you close that? Yeah. Um, it does itself a disservice because after watching... Uh, not, and I don't even watch Scandal. I watch it uh, as a whole season on... Like, I binge watch Scandal, okay. so I don't even watch it on Thursdays. But after watching, like, How to Get Away with Murder, which is probably the best version of all those, of the strong, smart, beautiful woman who is kicking asses and stuff, and she's bad and good, you know, at the right, same right. time. The the catch is just a little simplistic, is what I'm saying. You know, she, Miria Anos, her character, she keeps, she's a good person. Who got screwed in the first episode. It's all black and white. I guess that's what I'm saying. It's too cut and dried. It's all black and white. And it's too simplistic. And aside from... So it sounds to me that your problem is not with the formula of a season-long arc punctuated by miniature stories. <laughs> just with the execution in this block. Right. I think because so. again, that is kind of how TV tends You're right. to work. And it, it, it's just that it stands out. That there are so many good shows like that. When you do it kind of half-assed, I guess it stands out. Whereas, like, I've been watching The Family. I'm sure you haven't kept up on The Family. No, which one is that? With Joan Allen. Oh, right. I forgot we even watched the that. The um, I've been watching that, and it's gotten better <laughs> since the pilot. <laughs> it's gotten better since the pilot, and it's really drawn me in because sometimes there's shit within the episode, and sometimes there's not. But it's all connected. And, I'm, and, and that's the same thing with How to Get Away with Murder. They're basically, everything's connected in some sort of law way, you know. She does a thing, uh, what's her name, Anna, Anna Beth, not Anna Beth, Annalise. Annalise, Annalise yes, goes yes. into court on a case she's trying to win. And at the same time, she's trying to figure out who murdered whatever. And there's a relation there. Mm -hmm. And they go back and forth. They try to do this with the catch. Where, uh, you know, she's a private investigator and she's trying to prove something and go undercover. But at the same time, she's trying to figure out, fix her own problems, you know, in what happened with her and how do they relate. But it just seems all very forced because they don't really relate. You know what I mean? Yes. That's my problem with the catch. Okay. Although this episode I just watched, Alan Ruck was on it. And of course, he's married to Mirie Enos. So that was kind of interesting to watch. Them. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, uh, do you need to take a break? No, why? Okay, because uh, just I thought you might be getting big news on your phone. No, no, I'm just, uh, it's been so long, it's like, what have I done? Oh, okay, watched? you're catching up? Okay. because yeah, I was, uh, like, WonderCon, I was in Mexico before. Yeah, 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 like, it was like three weeks. Yeah, I feel like I was in Mexico forever ago, and uh, <laughs> it's been even longer <laughs> yes. since we did an episode together. The other show I watched, the new show I watched, was Rush Hour, which is pretty good. Okay. Uh, it's on CBS, so it's a typical CBS cop drama. You got the black guy who is like a little... Well, like, what's the most annoying thing about uh, Chris Tucker? Um, I don't know. Like, to you personally? I don't find him particularly annoying. Really? I guess I'm annoyed that he doesn't do good movies anymore. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, like, we agree Chris Tucker's funny. We liked Rush Hour, the movie, right? Not really. I like Friday. Like and I like Friday, Fifth okay. Element. What? The Fifth Element? Oh, God. That movie's horrible. No, that's a good movie. Okay, but if you if there was one thing about Chris Tucker, say you hung out with him all day, what would probably be the one thing that you would add enough oh, of? Oh, like he'd be screaming? Exactly. He's fucking screaming okay, right, yeah. and nonstop talking. Yes. So, Rush Hour, they got this guy who does less of that. Okay. 
He is a fast-talking, you know, uh, street guy, whatever, who doesn't have a partner, but he does less of that. And the dude who's playing a Jackie Chan part is basically a lesser Jackie Chan. Yes, he's a karate kick-ass guy, but he's smaller, just like the other guy is smaller. He's not as good an actor. He's not anywhere near as funny. So it's just a TV version of Rush Hour. It's pretty good. But Wendy Malick plays their boss, uh, who we love. And uh, that guy who played U-Turn is on it. Remember U-Turn from Weeds? I do remember U-Turn. Yeah. I can picture I can't think of the actor's name. Yeah, can I? But he's on it, too. He's... Uh, the Chris Tucker character's cousin, I like his informant. I remember you turned specifically because I, the point that I have made over and over again I, I know about what you're say. is that the show that show started going downhill the moment they killed off U Turn. Yep, because it seemed like something they did just for like, wouldn't this be shocking to kill this guy off at this point? And it was, and then they found, but then they found themselves like, oh shit, we didn't clearly didn't plan for this. No, it was just like, yeah, it was a Deus Ex Machina is what it was because he was. Because I, I remember watching it going, gosh, what are they going to do? This seems bad. And I think the writers wrote themselves into a corner and realized, uh, we're just going to have to kill him. And and then, they, you remember how he died? We had like a heart attack? Or yeah, while jogging. Yeah. Wasn't even a thing. Yeah, but then his... He was like st- still partially alive and didn't his like, henchman like... Either, Take over for him? Either, no, either like choke him out the rest of the way or just like... Go out of his way not to help him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, it was something it, like that. It's been yeah, they were on a walk, whatever. He was having a heart attack. He didn't call 911. Something yeah, like something that. Like yeah, so uh, so Rush Hour is pretty good. Uh, you know, they drive around in a convertible. It's exactly what you would think. But it's fun. And uh, it's harmless. And good, uh, good bad guy characters on that. Is there anything else I saw or did? I don't think so. What about you? All right. Well, um, saw some movies. Yeah, I saw my big fat Greek wedding too. <laughs> Wanted it to be good because I have a soft spot for the original. Wow, it's um, it's not awful, but it's uh, not really worth your time. Okay. Um, I saw Justice League versus Teen Titans at WonderCon. We talked about that last week. Uh huh. Um, have you seen Everybody Wants Some yet? No, but I'm sure we will. Yeah, it's great. It's okay, great. good. Um, I mean, we all love Richard Linklater, and you know, the first one, which. Isn't really the first one, but Dazed and Confused is one of Brooks' favorite movies. So Mine too. I'm sure we'll go see it. And then I saw The Bouse, the new um, <laughs> yeah. McCarthy movie. Now, here's my question about that. Uh-huh. I don't know who did the makeup on that, but she looks nothing like Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> what in the fuck? But uh, folks, comedy. <laughs> and here's the, I, now, if you go on Rotten Tomatoes, you're going to see like a 15%. I saw, and yeah. people are full of shit. It's a funny fucking Is it? Movie. Okay, good. Because she's Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. And like... Well, as long as the movie around her, yes, it's predictable. It's not that deep, right? And you know, it's all familiar. But as long as the movie around her isn't a mess, yeah, it's a sturdy enough vehicle for her to be Melissa yeah. McCarthy's friend. That's what I half. thought about it's, Tammy. Uh, yeah, and this is the same director. Yeah, her so, husband yeah, Ben. I definitely recommend checking out the boss if you like That's Melissa good. McCarthy. If you like good comedy, you'll you'll laugh a ton. Because uh, we... and Peter Dinklage is also awesome, right? Because uh, he's like bad shit in it. Um, Tyler Labine is a you know. I like Tyler Labine. He's going to be on at midnight this week. That's uh, Tyler Labine is like. I'm trying to think of the uh, of a corollary, but he's just like he's been. I feel like Tyler Labine has been on the brink of being. Truly famous yeah. for like ten years now. Well, to the he's point where now this is just where he's at. He starred in so many TV shows that didn't quite go. Like Sons of Tucson, he was the star. He was the adult mm-hmm. male lead on that show. Reaper, he was the second banana yeah. on that show. 
uh, so many of those shows, and he's been great on all of them. But oh, and he had that show on Hulu too that nobody watched. Yeah, um, I can picture psychic ghost guy, yeah, the ghost talker one. guy. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I can't think of. And he was the show. star of that. It was him and Cat Dealey. Yeah, were the two stars. And then, of but... course, there's Tucker and Dale versus Evil, a fantastic <laughs> movie with uh, Alan Tudyk. Yeah, um, your, your friend. Yeah, whom I not my friend. I don't, I've never met him, but uh, friend, I, I, did, I did see him at WonderCon. We talked about that last week. Uh, and TV wise, I want to talk. There's, I mean, there's a bunch going on TV wise, but I do want to address that uh, Modern Family is really testing my patience. <laughs> I do like. It's. Do, do you still watch it? Mm-hmm. It's still. But I'm way behind, so I okay. haven't seen like last. It's two still weeks. funny enough. Like there's still enough jokes every week, and it's 22 minutes, and it's something I, I watch with my wife. Like I'm not really in danger of giving it up, but I'm, it's also getting to the point where it's gone from inoffensively having lost quality to this past week being maybe my least, one of my least favorite episodes ever. Wow! Because at this point, they're just making shit up, <laughs> and that's what I hate. When like one of the like two of the storylines story this week, one of them the premise was that Jay and Cam don't like spending time alone together, but that's not true. Like we've seen them, they get along just fine. They bonded over the fact that they're both into sports. That's been part of it yeah. from the first season. And so suddenly, like they're all uncomfortable around each other. And it's like, what are you? Am I supposed to pretend like I haven't watched the show for seven years? Like I don't know these characters. Yeah. And then there's, the other storyline was that Phil and Mitch are apparently really into this sci-fi movie series together and can't wait to go see the midnight yeah. uh, opening of the new movie. And it's like, how has this been a part of Mitch's character ever? And how, like, yeah. it's, you know, this doesn't fit. And, like, they got good jokes out of both. Yeah. And so it still wasn't that bad. But uh, I, I, know, I, I know most people are like, yeah, why are you still watching Modern Family after seven well, years? The, the problem but is... It did bother me. The problem is that... The show, you know, is run by funny people, so there's always going to be great funny jokes in it. But unfortunately, it's been on for so long, you're getting like writers are pulling out their spec scripts and shit. Wouldn't it be funny if these two characters did right. this thing? And that's all they're going with. And that's what happens when a show's on forever and there's not much substance to it. And, and I don't even mean that as a criticism. It's a very simple show, much like The Office. Or uh, Parks and Rec. It's just a workplace comedy. Only in this case, it's or it takes place in three different houses instead of that. <laughs> you know, instead of a workplace comedy, it's a neighborhood comedy, I guess. Uh, but when it's that thin, and when the characters are really are written that thin, you got nothing to go on after a few years. Where on the other hand, I was watching The Big Bang Theory this week, and I laughed out loud twice. And it's not just because they were funny, but this episode was about how. Uh, the two main characters, Sheldon and, uh, or rather, Leonard and his wife, they're they're married now on the show. Leonard is um, Johnny Galecki? Yeah. Okay. And Katie, Kaylee Cuoco, they're married now on the show. Um, but the situation really hasn't changed. You know, she still has her apartment across the hall, even though she lives with, she spends the night over there in, with him huh. in his bed. And it's kind of fun that way, right? And then on top of it, this episode was about how it came out that... Leonard had this secret bank account that he was kind of socking money away because he's afraid that his wife will do do something foolish because she has, she already has a mountain of credit card debt, but she's not very responsible with money. He is. 
And it came out. And I was like, this is... And she was mad, of course. Yeah. Not that he did it, but that it was a secret. Yeah. And they talked it out. And it was great because it was all very believable. Because she, because then it forced her to go, well, I have a secret for you. For you. I hate my job because she's now a pharmaceutical rep. Uh-huh. And she makes a ton of money. She makes more than he does now because she's a hot girl who goes in the doctor's offices and sells them drugs. But she's like, I hate my job. And so the two of them then talk it out. And they're like, well, because she's... Cause she never says it, but I said it, and I'm sure everyone else said it, went, well, why doesn't he just take that $6,000 he's saved and pay off her credit cards? And then she doesn't have to work anymore, and she can go back to being an actress because he makes plenty of money. But it never came up because neither of them really wanted to say it. She didn't want to say, why don't you do this for me? And he didn't want to volunteer it. Right. You know what I mean? It was all uh, under the surface, and it was super believable. And then the other characters, meanwhile... Who I've always said Maya Bialik is the most underrated actress on TV. She's fucking hysterical. They're still playing that I've never ever drinking game that they mm-hmm. started playing earlier in the episode because they're in a cabin. Okay. And so Amy, uh, Amy and Sheldon are playing I've never ever, and they're staying saying ridiculous things like uh, I have never ever ever uh, something like I've never ever ever finished a season of Star Trek. And, of course, he goes, he just, like, gestures, gesticulates. Of course, I've always finished every season of Star Trek. Just shit like that that, you know, and they're not drinking. But then something happens, and then it's just a cute thing between the two of them. But he's asked her to marry him as well. So now they're, they're like, growing up is what I'm saying. In the episode before that, Sheldon revealed to her that he's never thrown anything away. He has this huge storage locker filled with everything he's ever owned. Literally, mm-hmm. like hair from haircuts and shit like that, toenail clippings, and then baggies that he transported his toenail clippings in. It's all in the storage thing. So at first it's kind of funny, but then as he realizes, he reveals what it is, you go, oh my God, that's fucked up, right? And so then Mayim Bialik says, Sheldon, this isn't, this is very serious. I had no idea, but I'm glad you shared it with me. And she makes it clear, this is a big deal, but it's nothing that can't be addressed, and I still love you. And and, and that's their secret. And I was like, wow, this show that just start was about a bunch of nerds, you know, being dumb and making nerd references. They're all adults now. Wallowitz and his wife, they're having a baby. Mm-hmm. They're all grown-ups, you know? They're not... It's not fucking Revenge of the Nerds anymore. Somebody took that show and the showrunner took the show and ran with it (laughs) and gave it a life, you know? Like, you know, you say what you want about Happy Days, but at least those characters grew up, you know, with the uh, exception of Potsy, who literally sat at Ralph's and had one line per episode. Choni and Chachi and all those guys grew up. Ralph grew up. Now, obviously, this show, they're not going to leave because they're making too much money, but... I think that's a problem with Modern Family. This kids, every time there's there's an episode on Modern Family that is about the kids, I love it. Uh Because the kids are doing different things. That's actually, this. I mean, this episode was about, um, one of the storylines was Manny and Luke um, are left home alone because uh, Claire and Gloria are going off to a spa weekend or whatever, and they throw Mm -hmm. a party. And so it's about, it's about Manny 
no longer being a goody two shoes a hundred percent of the way through. It right. actually did have that sort of growth. So you're and yeah. that was the best part of the episode. And Luke too. Luke, even though he's kind of stupid, which is his deal, he's not a stupid boy anymore. He's a stupid teenager right. who likes girls right. and all that. And especially he has. Uh, two older sisters, one of which is in college, mm-hmm. the other of which has a job and works in the fashion industry, so they're surrounded by hot girls all the time. Mm-hmm. So all he cares about in terms of his sister is talking to hot girls <laughs> that they're with. <laughs> Completely believable, 100%. The problem is when you're writing for adults like that, you don't want them to get... I mean, what's the major, the most major thing that has happened on the show in the entire run in terms of a lifestyle change? A lifestyle change? I don't know. What are you getting? It has to be Phil retiring, right? In terms of like a major... Oh, you mean not not Phil. Phil, uh, Jay. Jay. Yeah, Yeah, in terms of a major lifestyle change, getting married, having a baby, retiring, dying, whatever. Right. I mean, honestly, think of the entire... Think of the show. They adopted a baby in the first episode. Uh That's it. Well, they ended up getting married. That was big. Yeah, I guess it was, but... But they were already... Cohabitating. Yeah, because they were already they only got married because they legally could. Right. And and that, and it wasn't like the marriage of the century. It wasn't an hour long episode that they made a big deal out of. But as far as major life events, uh, even Haley going to college that they wrote that back. <laughs> She's not in college anymore. So and Alex is only in college down the street clearly because she's at home <laughs> all the time. So like aside from Jay retiring, right. nothing happened on that show. You know. Yeah. I think that's the problem. All right, well, this is a good episode. We're not going to talk about the shows at all because we just shut the shit. No, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, you want to talk about the OJ show? I so want to talk about the OJ show. All right, now you should know it's that... so fucking good. When Mike Schmidt was here in your stead, that's the show he picked to watch. And that was the watch. first one, right? That was ten weeks ago, right? I think uh, we watched the second episode because oh, okay, so it was, it was in its sec- it had just started. But we watched the second episode and we talked about... Basically, we, we made it clear. If you don't think this is the greatest show on TV... You are A, not paying attention, or B, you don't know anything about television. And at that point, two episodes in, you didn't even know how good this thing was going to get. Exactly. The fact, I mean, this is the big thing that, I think a lot of people were skeptical about this going in, partially because a lot of the casting seemed like stunt casting, but mostly because I think Ryan Murphy has developed a reputation as someone who ushers in a good pilot and then can't hold on to the premise and everything falls apart. Mm-hmm. And so the, the fact that it didn't not only didn't fall apart, but kept getting better week to week and maintained a consistency not only of quality and not only of tone, but a consistency of theme and character mm-hmm. and opinions and ideas. And it was a movie. It was a, it was a show that was really about something week in and week out without being boring and being like a dissertation or whatever. Right. It was it was great drama with great characters that also had a really urgent reason to exist. This examination of race sure. uh, and race through different filters, you know, about mm-hmm. intersectionality, about fame and race. And, his, and, 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 race a, and race. In and, a historical context as well. It wasn't, you know, this happened at a particular time in a particular place. It wasn't just a fictional story. And it, Well, I'll say uh, he had, obviously he had great source material, unlike Glee, or American Horror Story, which he's just right. making up all on his own. Right, and this is the other thing, is Ryan Murphy didn't write a word of this. Right. He directed four of the ten episodes. Uh, and it's all and straight it. out of that book anyways. Yeah, Nothing yeah. that Ryan happened in this show uh, was not backed up by Jeffrey Tubin's book, and I'm sure another source, because he backs up all his sources for the book. So it's all it all happened, and that was the other thing, is unlike these other shows, Glee or American Horror Story, where they do shocking shit so much that... 
sometimes you're almost offended by it. You're like, really? You thought that was going to shock me? That's stupid. This show, enough shocking shit really happened yeah. that they didn't have to do that. I mean, this episode in particular is the best. Now, Mike and I talked about how the true sad story of this show that no one would have ever told before is how it killed Robert Kardashian. How the fact that he had to face he had to face the the truth that he he married a monster who turned his children against him and his best friend was a monster who killed his wife. Mm-hmm. And when he said I'm out and he left, he never talked to OJ again, maybe a couple times on the phone, but he got cancer like almost immediately afterwards and laid down and died cuz he was done. He want any he saw the writing on the wall. He saw his kids grow up to be fucking monsters and what his ex-wife had done to them and he was done. And it's weird because he's like the only aside from Johnny Cochran, I think everyone else is still alive and well and you know trying to do good things. Barry Sheck spends the rest of his life trying to amend atone for getting OJ off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, that's uh, that whole the whole Kardashian thing it's it's brilliant because it hits on a million levels this show whether it's people who are too young to even remember that this happened i'm sure somebody watched this and went oh wait is this a true story at some point you know See, and I'm like not, kids I'm, do with the titanic i'm obviously old enough to know that this happened and remember but the thing is I, when it happened i was in an age again it's not that i don't remember it it's that i didn't care right you, you were too young to give a shit so i what like a lot of this was uh, you know i had you know, vague memories of, you yeah. know, Bracco Chase and Gloves and a few other, you know, Cato Kalin and a few other things. And for you, you that's that was your definition of OJ. It wasn't OJ, the guy who ran through airports and played for the Bills. It no. was the guy from The Naked Gun I knew him from killed his Gun. wife. Yeah. yeah, that's what I knew him from. So, yeah, so that was even different. And not even from SNL. So, yeah, it's weird. I'm watching this guy who I knew from Naked Gun, whatever. But I also remember writing book reports on him. In huh. school during Black History Month, you know. Oh wow! So, so yeah. So everybody has that uh, some sort of touchstone with it. Some people are like, "Man, he was hilarious with this." Some people with that. Some people are like, "Oh yeah, the Kardashians. Look, it's them." Some people didn't even know who OJ was, but was fast. They were fascinated by the trial. You know, uh, women who watched the trial all that all the way through. And then on top of all that, the performances. Not even in an ironic way. You know they. FX was smart that they showed these fucking pictures of all these people in their costumes and their makeup and stuff before the show started, you know? Uh-huh. So people go, oh my God, look at John Travolta, he looks horrible. And look at that Johnny Cochran wig, ridiculous. And look at the Marsha Clark wig. Uh-huh. Doesn't she look stupid in that Marsha Clark wig? And then they watch the episode where everyone makes fun of her hair and they right. feel bad. Yeah. And then by the time they're they're done laughing at how everyone looks, they're invested because... All three of those actors gave the best performance of their career on this it's, fucking show. It is possible. Like, I, I do. I feel like a lot of people have uh, people have given John Travolta a little bit of uh, heck for being maybe a little over the top, but I think that's right for the character. Absolutely, it is. And there's like he was, but like Robert Shapiro within the show. I'm not talking about the real guy, but is buffoonish, but also kind of a tragic character like this bit in this episode at the end when they're all talking about what they're gonna do with their time off and like what a vacation is and he's like 
It's almost like this weird thing about going to Oscar, Oscar de la Hoya's like, yeah. camp or whatever, and no one knows what to say. No and, one like, cares. It's sad. Yeah, because that's him dropping a name and going yeah. back to what he used to do, but they're all like weird, not impressed by that, yeah. and it's already been established that we're not. Yeah. Why are you doing that now? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and all and every character had a moment where they were like, what am I doing um, you know, like whether it was F. Lee Bailey who told Johnny Cochran, you better cut the shit. Because if you get a mistrial and we have to do this again, right. she's she's going to know all your tricks yeah. and you're not going to win. He had a real moment when the times when Shapiro said, dude, even a big giant scumbag like him said, I, I don't want another riot on my hands. It's I felt bad about the last one. But see, that's what it gets, uh, it gets into these issues about race. Is is there a legitimate concern of there being another riot? Or is Robert Shapiro making that assumption based on some racial preconceptions that he has? Right. That he, he's making assumptions about the black community of Los Angeles right. that he doesn't need to. Like, there, there's, there's everything that happens. And I, I feel like some people might be turned off by this kind of approach to storytelling. Like, yeah. maybe they just want a story or whatever. But... Almost every scene in every episode of the show is about race, and mm-hmm. you can you can see a discussion going on uh, on the show in everything that happens. It's yeah, fantastic. It's and and then and this is what I did. I'm sure other people did, but not everybody. You you can't help but think about these people in real life. You know, the whole time you're watching OJ, and it, like especially in this episode, he you know he doesn't cry about Nicole being. Uh, upset, he he. The first thing he does is throw a party where he announces he's going to look for the real killers. But let's party first. I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. It's a, absurd. And you think, yeah, but then he lost all his money, so much so that he had to try to steal some of his shit back, and now he's in prison. And you're like, well, is that justice? I mean, it was for the same crime. It was just, I mean, it all. You know, the, the civil case, and they show the Goldmans. Well, what are we going to do now? You know, they sold, they sued him for what? $40 million? They said 33 This is what the text on the Yeah. $33 million, but they only ever got half, half a million. million. Yeah. Because they got half a million dollars from what he had in his bank account and then from just seizing all his shit for what it was worth and auctioning it off. So, of course, at an auction, you don't get what, it worth, what it's worth. But I remember specifically, they did that here because this is where he lived. And uh, they auctioned it out off at the courthouse where they had seized it. And this DJ went and bought a bunch of shit and lit it on fire. Local DJ bought it all and lit it on fire. It was pretty great. Um, and that was a very prescient move because eventually OJ was in Las Vegas trying to steal his shit back. Yeah. And that's how he got arrested. So stuff like that. F. Lee Bailey, got de- after being one of the most famous lawyers in America, gets disbarred. Finally, in Florida and Massachusetts, only in two. States. Oh, okay, in two states. Um, Dershowitz, of course, is Dershowitz, um, yeah. and, and Barry Sheck feels so bad because that wasn't the only murder he got off. Right. He there was also this uh, nanny who killed a baby, uh, shook it to death, and he got her off on accidental death or whatever. But now he spends all his time and money getting off people who are convicted who shouldn't have been. So obviously, he feels bad about it. And then everybody else has come out on top. You know, Marsha Clark. Obviously, she wrote a book and was waiting for this to come so her book could come out. And Darden, and they all did well. Johnny Cochran, I think, aside from being dead, 
probably did the best of, of them all because say what you want about Johnny Cochran, he used the, the opportunity the way the right way to talk about race and justice yeah. and fair, you know, and it, it might have been, you know, leftover bravado and bullshit from the trial, but that scene where he said, this is the win, you yeah. know, and that think, was a big deal. I think the show did a really good job of demonstrating that too. I, 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 one of the things the show is about is that um, in broad terms, white America and black, black America see things and react to things and perceive things very differently. Right. And I think there are things... The things that you're saying about Johnny Cochran, I think a lot of black Americans already felt that way. And I think to a lot of white Americans, Johnny Cochran is Jackie Childs from Seinfeld. He's a joke. Right, yeah. Uh, and I think um, this... I, I think the show... I mean, I guess I'd have to ask a, a racist if he had his mind changed by this show. But it did... Like It's sort of like you were saying with the costumes. Like, to start off with Johnny Cochran picking out, like, lime green suits and his whole drawer of gigantic rings, yep. you know, and, like, making him, like, steering into the caricature at first and then over the ten episodes really fleshing him out. Yeah. Uh, and showing the his, the the passion um, behind what he was doing and how much he how much he believed in what this case was about. And how smart he was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just, it helped that he, that he just wanted OJ to say, no, I didn't do it, and he ran with it and made it about race and and it's funny because Marsha Clark, everything she says, and Darden too, everything they say is absolutely right. The evidence is fucking overwhelming. First they say the cops are idiots that messed up the evidence. Then they say is all a fucking scam mm-hmm. to frame OJ, who was the, their best friend. And then of course the Furman thing, which was both, which what they never what they never went into. And I remember at the time what they never went into was. The way that the reason Furman said that stuff was because this woman was writing a screenplay. So he was basically giving her dialogue and talking the way that he he wanted the cops to talk in this screenplay. Granted, yes, there are cops who talk that way sometimes, but Furman probably would never do that in front of a perp. And there's a good chance he may have never tuned anybody up, as he said, but but because he wanted to make a good show for this chick. That's why he was talking that way. So he was, I mean, it's a lot like this Hulk Hogan thing. You know, when they, when the guy, the guy asked him about the sex tape and he's like, well, if you, uh, if you didn't want anybody, if you didn't think anyone was going to see this sex tape, why did you say you have a 10 inch penis? (laughs) And he goes, well, it was a character. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, Hulk Hogan has a 10 inch penis. Terry Bollea does not. (laughs) And that was kind of broke the case wide open because that made the point. There's there are two different people right. that most people don't realize about about wrestling, but it was a, right. but the same thing, the same thing here. And uh, I, I do remember one of my other memories that I have of the o, the the OJ trial happening was yes the trial uh, century um, insisting to my dad that Mark Furman was a racist who had framed OJ and OJ was innocent just to get into my dad's skin. What a dick! <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> one thing they didn't say when they showed that Animal House thing at the end, whatever yeah. it became of. Was Gil? Uh, was it Gil Garcetti? Yeah, he went on. He's he still he's a technical advisor on major crimes, and he worked on the closer too. Yeah. So once he got voted out of office, he immediately went into doing that. And as they said, his son Eric is now the mayor. So it's yeah. not like he was disgraced or anything. Um, so this was great. Um, I want to point out we've talked about all these big name actors, the people who already have you know 
you got Kim Gooding Jr. and John Travolta and Courtney Vance and Sarah Paulson. But this guy, Sterling, Sterling K. Brown, yeah. who played Christopher Darden, that's a revelation. Apparently, if people watch Army Wives, they knew who he was. I never watched that show. Me neither. Um, I didn't know this guy at all. Um, I knew him and, from uh, um, uh, yeah, a couple shows. Supernatural. Okay. He was on, and he was on this show very short-lived. I think it was called Hungry or something with Eric Schaefer. It was on FX. It was about people with eating disorders. Okay. <laughs> it was very dark comedy. Um, but he was, he was terrific. Yeah. And yeah. from uh, he's from St. Louis, apparently, which is where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. You, yeah, you yeah. Don't, you, I don't think you've ever mentioned that I've never that mentioned before. that, but yeah, that's where I'm from. Um, well, now, here's the thing before we go away from this. Obviously, like the other American Horror Stories, this is going to be... Uh, these people are going to get nominated in the miniseries category. Right. So they're a lock for whatever category they decide to go into. Sarah Paulson... Must win Best Actress, right? Uh-huh. In a miniseries. Uh-huh. I, I don't care what other miniseries you were in. You're not as good as her in this one. <laughs> Secondly, David Schwimmer has to win Best Supporting Actor in a miniseries, right? Unless he's up against someone else from this cast. That's what I'm saying. So you've got to engineer it so you don't, you don't go up against someone else. Cuba is Best Actor. Okay. Or else he's not nominated because... Uh, Fucking, what's his name? Johnny Cochran? Courtney B. Vance. Courtney B. Vance has to win for Best Actor. I think it's going to be Courtney B. Vance, Best Actor. David Schwimmer, Best Supporting. Uh, Sarah Paulson, Best Actress. Um, Is there a Best Supporting Actress in that somewhere? I don't think there are any supporting female roles that are substantial enough. Like, Like, Connie Britton was great as Faye Resnick, but she's only in two episodes. You know, she could be nominated. Well, since you not you get nominated for one episode in particular. Okay. If if they watch that and go, yeah, she was great because that's happened. I don't think they do guest actresses, but those three for sure, right? They're going to walk away. It's going to be a big night for those three, so, especially David Schwimmer, who has never won an Emmy for okay. Friends. But you don't or think, for anything. Okay, you think it's David Schwimmer over John Travolta? Well, John Travolta would be in Best Actor, and David Schwimmer Best Supporting. I think so. Okay. But also, Travolta may... I don't know. you got to remember, Travolta, he's won a lot of things. Uh-huh. And this is it was a big deal for him to come back and do this. He may not submit himself either. I bet if he doesn't get nominated, it's because he didn't submit himself. Okay. Did you see... You probably didn't, but him, uh, Travolta and Courtney B. Vance were on Colbert together talking about the show. It was fascinating because Courtney B. Vance, I don't know if you've ever seen an interview with him, he's very gregarious and funny. Uh-huh. Uh, we're... <sighs> What was that panel? Yeah, didn't you go to the Flash Forward panel at Paley Festival a million years ago? No. Oh, it was the same year you were at, went to the Breaking Bad one. Okay. But it was, you know, he was on Flash Forward and had everybody there. And he was hilarious. Like, really out of character. Funny. And so he was gre- gregarious. And Travolta was basically like, this was a great thing to be able to play this character. Because he doesn't play a lot of real people. Uh-huh. You know, and he, and he was talking about how he got to stretch as an actor. And I thought, yeah, man, he really did. Yeah. He fucking turned it up. Um, so the great thing about this is it's over. There will be no second season. They, right. I mean, maybe they'll do more of these, but that would be great. because no, They're doing another American Crime Story, and it's going to be about Hurricane Katrina. In the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. That's That's been announced. All the rapes. So there you I go. I, specifically I, going to talk about I, that. I, I bet they say rape um, a bunch of times in that episode. Do they say rape as often as they said the N-word on American Crime Story? Well, it, it was, probably more. 
<laughs> hats off to the show for using that word that much and never letting it lose power. Like every time that mm-hmm. that that word came up over these nine episodes, I I cringed. Yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, yeah, because yeah, uh, yeah, it just showed. Even if you're O.J. Simpson, it's a Black America, White America. I mean, I, I, I'm almost fifty, and I've been a white man for a long, long time. But I've I I like to think I'm fairly liberal growing up in Michigan and California, and I saw all the racism in Arizona, and uh, I taught my kids to be liberal. But yet, I watch Underground and the Carmichael Show and this show, and I still go, "Holy shit!" Yeah, how sad is it to be a black man in America? I had no That's, idea. Th- uh, I know we need to move on, but one of the most fascinating things about the show to me is the Marcia, Marcia Clark story, and the way that it showed a woman who is liberal, super intelligent, passionate, capable, confident. She's a really good person, and yet. Through no fault, just because she's white, she has privilege and she has some blind spots. And she misses things. Yeah. Or, or, or overlooks Chris Darden's uh, objections because she is unable to see things from a black person's point of view. And I think that's really instructive in, a, in an age where, you know, we've got... We, there's a lot of talk about privilege online, but a lot of times people use terms like check your privilege as yeah. a way of saying, shut up. Like, shut right. up, your opinion doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And I think what this show uh, in the Marshall Clark story illustrated is that, you no, know, checking your privilege should not be a way of shutting up. It should be a way of actually opening the conversation where you should look even deeper at things. You should consider yeah. more possibilities. Yeah. Uh, it, that privilege is not, you're not necessarily a bad person because you have white privilege or male privilege or all these things. You can't help how you were born. What you can help is what you do about it and what you, yeah. how you educate yourself and how you look to expand your perceptions. Yep. Okay. Let's move <laughs> on to trivia. Okay. So last week, the trivia question was a bit convoluted. You want to repeat it? It was a good question. Though. It was a great question. I think. So Al, I'll Alan give you 100%. Tudyk, uh, Alan Tudyk um, stars in, writes, and produces a web series called Con Man. That was my porno name for a while, by the way. Con Man? No, Alan, <laughs> Alan Two Dicks. <laughs> um, right, because Alan has two dicks. Paul Goebel does not. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I have three! <laughs> um, he's in a show called Con Man where he plays a failed actor. Um, and what is that on? Is it on Crackle? Where can you yeah, see that? I don't know. Con it's online, com. right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but they... he plays a, a, an actor who... Like Alan Tudyk was on a hit sci-fi cult show that was great but got canceled too soon. Unlike Alan Tudyk, this character hasn't gone on to do much else. Um, but Alan Tudyk did a guest spot on uh, uh, a TV series where instead of being credited as Alan Tudyk, he was credited as his character from Con Man. Right. As if this is a job that he got. And the question was, what series was that? And the answer was Justified. Yeah, I looked it up, and I don't remember that episode at all. And I don't know why they... Why did they do that? Just for the fuck of it? Uh, he actually talked about it on the panel. He, like, they... He didn't audition for that role. They came to him. They wanted Alan Tudyk for that role. Okay. And so he said, this is a condition then. I, I'll be happy to do this role for you, but you will credit me as Ray whatever, as opposed to, to Alan Tudyk. Okay, so um, only one person answered, and it was uh, our fan and listener, Alex Daniel... Who was nice enough to admit that he looked it up. Um, although, I will say, it's not easy to look up. 
because if because you got to go through a few steps. You got to go like Alan Tudyk, con man. What's his character's name? Okay, then you got to Google that character. Right. And uh, and it does take a few steps. It's not just like going to IMDb. But he even said, "Hey, I looked it up. If someone else, you know, came by it just because they knew it and are fan, then give it to them." But fortunately for you, Alex, nobody else answered. Not one person even attempted. So his prize that he uh, wanted was for me to do an impression. Uh, so I'll do an impression while I ask this next trivia question, okay. which is about American Idol. Over the years on American Idol, there have been millions and millions of guest judges. I may be overreacting, but they've had guest judges from all sorts of media, whether it's television or music or film. They always get the guest judges. My question to you, David Bad, is there was one guest judge on American Idol who was a Oscar winning screenplay screen screenwriter. Yeah, that's the word. Screenwriter. He was an Oscar winning screenwriter. What was the name of that man? An Oscar winning screenwriter. Yes. American Idol. Yes. I have two guesses. Okay. One of them might be right. But if it is, then the other one definitely is not. Right? <laughs> That's a hint I can give you. Only one of them okay. can be right. Can I ask for a clue? You can ask for whatever you want. Is this person known chiefly as a screenwriter, or is he known for something else, but screenwriting is what he won his Oscar for? I will say... Um, well, I will say... I'll say this. He um, isn't necessarily known as a screenwriter, but he's definitely not known for anything in the music field. But the reason he was there uh -huh. is not so much because he was a screenwriter. It's not like when they introduced him, they said, and now here's the Oscar-winning screenwriter for this movie he wrote, uh -huh. this guy. They more just said his name because everybody knew who he was. Okay. I have no idea. I'm going to say Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> oh, that is a good guess, but no, you're wrong. It was probably the second one, which... Uh, no, I actually, based on that, I don't think it was the second oh, one. Oh, okay. So, um, if you know the answer to who that Oscar-winning screenwriter was, you can write to me, Paul, oh. at the uh, kingoftv.com, and uh, I'll give you some prizes. I, I do have to say I got bad news. Uh, we're having a cat problem here at the house, and uh, my little cat peed in the prize box. I was able to rescue some screeners, but uh, unfortunately, um, the At Midnight shirt that I just oh, no. got, brand new, not even unrolled yet, got peed on, as did the Undateable shirt, and uh, some pictures and stuff. So, uh, but I still, got, I still got screeners, and of course my CD, and some pornos. So uh, I got a list of people who need prizes, and uh, I will send them out. Okay. Um, and, of course, thekingoftv.com is still the place to go if you want to see me be awesome. Uh, and follow me on the Twitter, at Paul Goebel Show. Um, I, got a, I answered an ad this weekend. This guy has a, uh, like a fake news blog. It's like God's news blog. Uh -huh. And he wanted someone to write some funny things for his blog and... He was also looking for somebody to uh, to tweet as God. Okay. Like he would pay someone. And I'm like, oh, that sounds perfect for me, right? So here's some tweets I came up with as okay. God. Uh, 
TBH, I only gave the Bible a once-over. Okay. Yeah. Uh, idea for topic for the Pope's talk on global economy. How selling all the shit in the Vatican could feed starving children. All right. More more barbed than funny, I would well, say. Well, but that's God. Imagine God saying right. that, right? <laughs> and the last one, you don't really think radioactive Razorbacks was an accident, do you? That's good. You like that yeah. one? All right. all right. You can be my friend on Facebook. And, uh, oh, this is what I wanted to tell you. Uh, I'm putting a tour together for the summer to do stand-up comedy, like in the southwest, southeast area. So if you're yes, in the... I'll do it. <laughs> so if you're in those areas and you'd like to, uh, me and Jim and our friend Dan Madonia to come to your uh, town and do comedy, let me know. And if you, if you know of a place that would want us to come and do comedy there, let me know and give me the name of the place and we'll come and we'll do that. David will not come to your town to do comedy, but only if you specifically tell him, do not come to my town to do comedy. That's right. You can so do, how do they do that? You can email me at david at battleshippretension.com to warn me away from your uh, home. Uh, <laughs> you can find uh, my podcast and my movie reviews and all sorts of other stuff at battleshippretension.com. And you can and should follow me on Twitter at Davey Pretension. You can and you should. Absolutely. All right. American Idol. Now let's get something straight first. American Idol is just a dumb talent show. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, the kids on it aren't really all that talented. And Some of them are. Some of them, but I'm saying like overall, it's not like the next Share uh, came out of there. It's not like the next John Legend. They're not like doing amazing, not like the next Elton John. They're not doing amazing things. And considering okay. how many of them there are. Well, I'm going to just like... To a certain extent, you're being unfair comparing it to Elton John because Elton John is a songwriter. That's what I'm saying. This is the point I'm making that they're not they in the world of music. It, the contributions that American Idol has made are small. In the world of TV and and pop culture in general, I think we have to agree that the impact American Idol has made is huge. Yeah, but I also think it's pretty big on music. I think in terms. I, mean, I think in least, terms. Of, I mean, and maybe if we're talking about the percentage of people who have been on American Idol and have gone on, yes, it's very small. But you've had people like Carrie Underwood, who's yeah. so famous now that I always forget that she was on American Idol. You're right. And Jennifer Hudson, same yes. thing, an Oscar winner. Yeah, but what uh, I'm saying is, I'm saying the people who have gone on to great things for American Idol, they certainly have. And if not for American Idol, none of that would have ever happened. And yes, they've done great things. But I'm I'm talking about, okay, count up all the people on American Idol who have done amazing things in the world of music. Right. Maybe five. Probably not. I don't know who I'm Okay. And I'm talking about everybody. Hosts, guests, judges, producers, all of them. Okay. Now, and so we're talking about in the, in the hundred thousands at this point. I'm talking about crew, everybody. Okay. Now, think about the the impact the show has had on television and pop culture. Everybody involved was involved in that impact. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Whether it's Seacrest or Simon Cowell, Paula Abdul, Steven Tyler, William Hung, all of them. Cara Diaguardia. Cara Diaguardia. All of them under the... You know, under the umbrella of Nigel Lithgow and Simon Fuller, made this amazing thing that, yes, uh, in 
in a, a year we'll be thinking about it the same way we think about Lost and Mad Men and all the other shows we lo- we watched and have moved on from. But there will people will refer to this show in the world of TV and talent competitions forever. Right. Yeah, that's true. And in terms of in terms of just a pop culture thing, people will say, "What are you auditioning for American Idol?" Uh-huh. They will make that comment forever. You see what I'm saying? It's not like people are going to be like. Hey, man, sing that Kelly Clarkson song at karaoke. People don't say that every night, but they do say, what do you want, American Idol? Uh You see what I'm saying? That's the impact I'm talking about. I once did see someone just knock Since You've Been Gone out of the park (laughs) at karaoke. It's a good karaoke song. Yeah, and this was at uh, um, the Drag Queen karaoke at uh, Hamburger Mary's. Yeah, it's... Uh, higher level of karaoke yeah so okay so based on that again no like tongue-in-cheek no ironic eye-rolling this was a pretty great episode it was and i'm yeah. gonna get one thing out of the way yeah well for, okay i haven't watched american in a long time so i was surprised how much i enjoyed it right but i do want to get out of the way there was one awful 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 part that stuck out like a, a sore thumb to me okay i felt the same way but could those five guys doing the David Bowie tribute have been more off the mark? That was pretty as bad. As far as what David Bowie is, like, yeah. do, they, do any of those guys know anything about David Bowie? Like, the way that they were singing the songs, yeah. like, with their, like, sort of jaunty, sexy, like, guy voices, was like, you, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what this <laughs> well, is. Well, they're all very all. young, too. Here's the thing about that's, those that's guys. That's hardly an excuse at this point. Let's, get, let's, get, let's, let's go through it. I want to go through all the great things on this show. Because I have watched every season of American Idol, starting with the first non. I didn't when American Idol started. It looked like bullshit to me, uh-huh. like to most people. It was on in the summer on Fox, hosted by two douchebags. One of which I knew personally. I knew Brian Dunkelman uh-huh. through stand-up comedy. He's a great guy, but he's a you know he's a smart ass, smart ass <laughs> comic who uh, loves to be a smart ass. Uh, and I knew Ryan Seacrest as a DJ. Uh-huh. So why the fuck am I going to watch this show? Then they show all these, you see all these bad people auditioning for the commercials, and you go, oh, it's that. It's a freak show. But then I said, well, let's start watching once they're actually auditioning. Once they get everybody, then everyone's going to be good. And coincidentally, by that time, everyone was talking about the show, and it was a big deal in the sense that, you know, just like Survivor the first season, everybody wanted to see that last episode, and everyone wanted to see, is it Kelly or Justin? Who's it going to be? Because girls actually liked Justin Guarini back then. And he, he's a fine performer, too. There's nothing yeah, wrong with him. Yeah, he showed tonight. Or that night. Last night. T- Thursday night, yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with him. Just Kelly was better. And as we've seen, obviously, over the years, she's an amazing performer and has only gotten better. So I've watched it ever since. Now, I will say last year was... Was it last year or the year before? It was complete horseshit when that guy Nick won because the last like the top four were all white dudes uh-huh. and it was fucking boring and I thought it was racist and I was not down with it and I even <laughs> said if the top four if. this if the top four in the final season do not have a person of color or a woman I'm not watching uh-huh. and as we saw a black woman went to the final two and in my opinion she should have won but I can take now, probably I obviously haven't watched the whole season. Yeah, based solely on the opening performance between the Porsche and Trent, I felt like the right person won. I think he was better yeah. in that opening. Here's what happened. That's all I know. I'm going to tell you exactly what happened as an expert on this show. Years ago, do you remember Lee DeWise? You might uh-huh. have seen him. Yeah, he was on. He saw it. Uh, he went into the final two, or uh, maybe it was the final three. It was him, Kristen Bauer, Sox, and someone else. 
Is that right? Yeah, and someone else. And at the time, Kristen Bowersox was a favorite to win because she was a girl. She was kind of a hippie. She sang into this weird mic. She had brown teeth from all the cigarettes she smoked. Uh, <laughs> Uh, These and, are all reasons she was favored to win. Be, just because you remember her. Right, She's right, a personality. Right. Whereas Lee DeWise was just this kid with black hair who played guitar. And I don't even remember the third guy. Uh-huh. So, but then one time Adam Lambert came on the show as a, uh, as a mentor. Uh-huh. And he worked with them all. And I remember watching him working with Lee DeWise and saying, Here, when you sing this part, sing it an octave up in your falsetto. If you know anything about Adam Lambert, you know he sings in his falsetto a lot, and it's mm-hmm. fucking great. So he told Lee to do that, and he did it, and it sounded good. And he's like, yeah, just ratchet it up at that point. So then Lee comes out, and he sings his song and nails it. And all of a sudden, everyone goes, oh, Lee is talented when he really puts it out there. So then they get rid of the third guy, and now it's Lee and fucking Kristen Bowersox, and he takes that same advice and wins the whole thing. And that guy Trent was do was just kind of fucking around mm-hmm. up until the top three. Even but the funny thing was, even when it was the top three, the third guy was like, "You don't have to read it. It's obviously these two. Because <laughs> it was that kid Mackenzie with the glasses, and he was right. And he's like, "You guys are awesome. Hooray for them!" So he was cool about it. But Trent was just okay, and he was getting by a lot on the fact that he is such a nice all American Southern boy. In the uh, open the auditions rounds. Mm-hmm. The Hollywood week, he contracted mono, so he couldn't sing in a group. He had to do all his auditioning on his own. So that alone made him like an underdog, and Mm -hmm. people felt sorry for him having to get up there while all these other kids are doing choreography and stuff. He was just up there dancing, singing on his own, but giving it his all, you know what I mean? So people immediately bonded with him. Uh, and, And it's all because, well, you get rid of the one white kid, your choice is easy. Do you want the black woman or the skinny white boy? Uh-huh. You know, who who speaks to you more? For me, of course, it was this beautiful black woman who's a mother of this gorgeous kid. And uh, when she sang that song from... Oh, you didn't see it. No. But the, we, the night before... They I didn't had, realize that kid was her kid. Yeah. The one that kept grabbing the mic from Ryan Seacrest. Yeah. That was pretty cute. It's her kid, yeah. And she's been on... She's there every night to watch, which is great. And she's super cute. She's never thrown a fit. But she sang this song from... That song from uh, the slavery song... From the movie 12 Years a Slave, is that what it is? That won the Oscar? I don't know. The John Legend and Common song? Oh, from Selma. Selma, that's what it was, yeah. She sang that a couple weeks Glory. ago. Glory. That's, yeah, I wanted to say from Glory, but I knew it wasn't from Glory. <laughs> okay, so she sings that and fucking kills it, of course. Brought me to tears. Nailed it. And I thought, she's got this sewn up. But then, for some reason, on this final episode, Trent shows up and killed it. Mm-hmm. And I turned to Brooke and said, somebody gave him some great advice because there was no way he was going to win this. And I don't know if you also saw, also saw all the judges when he read the answer. All three of them looked at each other with wide eyes as if to say, can you fucking believe that? Mm-hmm. Because they all saw it coming too. Let's go through all the performances and talk about what we liked. Well, there's two hours of them. Well, well, briefly. Let's first... Real quick. Um, yeah? We know Kelly Clarkson wasn't there because she's giving birth, but she had pre-taped something. Yeah. Where was Adam Lambert? Wasn't there. That's some, weird, Some right? people didn't make it. Was he... Who was the big, highest profile person who wasn't there? Was Adam um, Lambert, Well, he came in second, but there was also Blake Lewis who came in second after... Okay, but I don't know who that is. Right. I know who Adam Lambert yeah, is. Yeah, you're right. As far as big names go, because Daughtry... Because yeah. it's like... It goes... It's like Jennifer Hudson, obviously... Kelly Clarkson, Carrie Underwood, Chris Daughtry, 
and then maybe Taylor Hicks and yeah. Adam Lambert. So yeah, he's he's definitely the one who finished the highest and is the most popular. But uh, well, like Philip Phillips, you know, he's still suing them, suing the 19 Entertainment. I didn't know to that. get out of his contract. No, when he and, was there. Yeah, he was there, and I guess what happened was because they couldn't talk to him and ask him to be on it, and they were trying to go through lawyers. Finally, Nigel Lithgow just called his lawyer and said, "Listen." Completely aside from this lawsuit, we want Philip there to sing and we will pay him if he's willing to do it. And Philip said, of course I'm willing to do it. American Idol is a great thing and the people I worked with are great and amazing. And I wouldn't even be anywhere right now if it wasn't for that. So if you just want me to show up and sing, I am there. Because that was a big deal when he was on the show. They would want him to do those stupid Ford commercials and shit like that. And he said no. Well, first of all, he has to go to dialysis because he's got a bad liver. Okay. But he said, I don't want to do that shit. I don't want to go pick out clothes. And he even said on the show once, on a live show, he said, you know, guys, I don't want to do that. I just want to play my songs. Like in front of the whole crowd. And they couldn't make him do that stupid shit that they make him do. But to get him back was a big deal. And that was what I liked about the show is they... They knew what was important in a finale. Case in point, bringing back Dunkelman uh-huh. at the very beginning. Yeah. You've got to do that. You've got to do it, and you've got to make it great. And it was. Because Dunk's a stand-up comic, he killed it. All the jokes, all the beats were right. Uh, and Seacrest played it great. Uh-huh. And, and I read another thing that said, apparently, Dunkelman and Seacrest didn't get along. I'm sure it's partly because Dunkelman said, why am I doing this with the fucking DJ? I'm the comedian. He's a DJ. I'm not even a rapper. He's a DJ. I'm a comedian. <laughs> but he said back then he said a lot of shit about Ryan after he got fired. And he went backstage and at this thing and he apologized before they started. And he said, I'm glad this has all worked out for you. So that was like another thing that was happening underneath the show. People coming back and like, oh, good to see you again. And just the fact like they did that Three Divas performance with Jennifer Hudson, Fantasia, and Latoya London. Okay, I just thought it was just the three black women performance. Well, like yeah, divas. three divas, three black chicks. But those three women could not be more different in their career path or their fame. Uh-huh. You know, you got Jennifer Hudson, Oscar winner, Oscar winner, has written her own ticket in her career. Uh-huh. Fantasia, undoubtedly one of the best voices on that show ever. And considering she couldn't read when she started on American Idol, oh. she's done pretty well from herself. And then you got Latoya. I don't know, she came in fifth one season? <laughs> I, I didn't know who that was. <laughs> exactly. She was just one of the great black chicks who sang on the show. I remember at the time she was in a wedding band, so she was a legit singer. So, again, that even Jennifer Hudson could have said, what? She, she could have said, yeah, I'll do a song with all the other Oscar winners. How's that sound? <laughs> oh, I'm the only one? Perfect. But well, she a, didn't. Here's what I was thinking of. I'm going to do a metaphor. Okay. Look My friend Sarah in high school, she and her, her dad owned a ranch and they raised horses. And she, I remember her telling me once that when you were raising a horse from a, whatever a baby horse is called, that um, if you make sure to pick it up occasionally, you know, hold it, it gets it into your its head that you're bigger than it is. Mm. So once it's big, if it starts freaking out, you can put your arms around its neck and calm it down because it thinks you're bigger. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if... Carrie, we know that Carrie Underwood and Jennifer Hudson don't need American Idol anymore. They've far outgrown it. But to them, do you think that still they still feel? 
I, one of the contestants. Yeah. Well, you know, do you think? I mean, Jennifer Hudson came in. What she didn't? She didn't win, right? No, she came in like fourth or fifth. Yeah. yeah. So, do you think, even though she's gone on to great things, do you think she still has any bitterness toward the people who, who beat her? No, I think because there's so much time going on. There's certainly. I mean, you'd have to be a psycho to be bitter for that long about something. <laughs> even I couldn't do that. But well, I maybe do, not even bitter, but just like. Does she still hold on to that's the person who beat me? Does she still maybe? Well, Fantasia was the girl who won the year she got out, and and part of the problem was because that split the vote. There was these both amazing uh, black women on the show, and very black. I mean, you saw these chicks are black, a hundred percent. Okay, and uh, not like uh, what's her name, the half black girl who won. I'm saying I don't don't know. You know, I'm saying you know what I'm saying when I say they're black. These chicks are black. Okay, you know what I'm saying? They're black. Uh, and and uh, they both sang the shit out of these songs. And it became clear it's one or the other for the final. But what happened was there was a lot of rain that night in Chicago and power was out. And people are positing that all of Jennifer Hudson's fans in Chicago, where she's, she's from, yeah. weren't able to vote for her. And so the, if you're voting for one of the two awesome black chicks on there... And you're not, and the votes for Jennifer Hudson are not going through. Obviously, all the votes for Fantasia go through, and that's why she left early and cleared the field for Fantasia. Now, I don't think there's any bitterness for that, but I do think they they still, as big as they are, Carrie Underwood will never ever say the words "fuck American Idol" right. because she knows that every time she goes out on concert on a stage, because that's where they make their money on stage. Yeah, when they go out there and every single person who paid sixty bucks a ticket. Loses their shit over her. Right. She's like, thank God for American Idol. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's that easy. Uh, now, granted, it doesn't work that way for everybody. But unlike most, let's say, even the newer ones, The X Factor, fucking Star Search, any talent show you've ever heard of, the amount of successful, talented people who have come out of this show far outweighs right. probably all of the other ones put together. Right. So... You got to recognize that. When we were naming fam- uh, people who were famous after American Idol, uh, we did not mention Catherine McPhee, who has done well for her. Show. She's on TV right now. Yeah, she was on, and, and again, she's on another network. She's on a show on another network, right. but she made sure she came back for this to sing next to the guy who beat her and isn't doing dick. Who Taylor Hicks? Yeah. yeah, he just sits around and plays his fucking harmonica and counts whatever money he's got. I mean, she's so super more popular than him. Yeah. Uh, I still like him. I do, too. I was, okay, man. That was the only season that I really got into, and I was all about the uh, the Soul Patrol. You were on on the Soul Patrol train? All right. What do you think about the Rockers? I know you like that. All the Rockers who came out, Caleb and Constantine Maroulis and Daughtry oh, well, and Bo Bice. I think, you know, the last episode of American Idol I watched was for, for Hey, Watch This, and it was... <laughs> Caleb's season, I remember yeah. saying, I really like that guy's voice. And, and he, he won. to win. Right. Um, so obviously I enjoyed the Caleb I knew Johnson, you would. Uh, stuff. I didn't care for the rest of it. Really? I don't know. But I, you, but, wait, but you liked that segment, the rocker segment. No, I didn't. Really? It's not for me. You only liked Caleb. Yeah. Out of because, all those guys. Uh, I don't know. I like rock music, but not American Idol rock music. You know okay, what I, mean? I hear you. Um, yeah. And I'll say this about Chris Daughtry, because like I said, season five is the only one I really watched. And I will never be able to separate him from the episode where Stevie Wonder was the mentor. And he said to Stevie Wonder, he was like, I never really knew any of your music, but then I realized this Red Hot Chili Pepper song was yours. Like, that's... What a fucking idiot. 
yeah. to say that to Stevie Wonder. I, yes. I, will ne- I can never divorce that. Yeah, uh, I don't blame Chris you. Chris That's Maybe that's why he ended up fifth <laughs> in, uh, in, in when he got voted and out. And is one of the more successful American Idols overall in terms of... There's a lot of great people that year, for sure. Um, what did you think about uh, Keith Urban and Carrie Underwood? That was my favorite performance of the really? night. Really? And, and, and because you, I love, love that song. That's the thing, is... If if I said to you Keith Keith and Carrie are going to do a, a duet, uh-huh. you want me to record it for you? You'd say no, thanks. <laughs> You're right. right. I'll be taking a shit. <laughs> and now for me, if someone said they're singing that Tom Petty Stevie Nicks song, I would have said delete it, please. <laughs> but it was pretty good. It was really. Good. They it was both gave a great performance. Yeah. I will say Carrie did all the heavy lifting, but still, it was. I was impressed. And I mean, I'll. Out of everybody on American Idol, judge-wise, Keith Urban is my least favorite. Huh. More so than Randy Jackson. I like him less than fucking uh, Nicki Minaj, less than Mariah Carey. He is, I think, the most boring judge Oh, I forgot Mariah ever Carey was a judge. Yeah. Because yeah. she wasn't on this at all. That's right. I thought she'd at least do a, a video like Ellen did. Ellen did, and Nicki Minaj did, and, and Steven Tyler did. Yeah, and then um, of course Paul and Randy came out. Well, what do you talk think about of Simon coming out? Yeah, that what do you think of that? That, that was, was a, really a surprise to them. Yes, well, what, it was funny because you could hear them bleeping out Randy going, "Holy shit, yeah. holy shit!" Yeah. But then if you look close and listen, Ryan turns to Simon and says, "I thought you were going to come down here." Like he was expecting a surprise, and he kept looking for Simon to come down the aisle. Uh-huh. And I think at one point he went, "I guess it's not going to happen." But then Simon came up behind him. Because Ryan's pretty savvy. Yeah. When they say Simon can't make it, he knows, of course Simon's going to make it. How is Simon not going to come back (laughs) to the show he built? They paid Simon Cowell thousands and thousands of dollars not to do a TV show in addition to the money they paid him to do American Idol. Uh I mean, how is he not going to show up? Especially because that other show is fucking done. And I don't know if you heard at the end, uh, Ryan says, that's it for now. Because Simon Fuller already has plans to bring this back in a couple of years. Uh-huh. Um, basically, he's going to see what made what they did wrong and fix it. And they got this new thing where they're going to make a virtual reality star. Uh-huh. Simon Fuller works for a company that owns the digital rights to Elvis Presley. Okay. So all they have to do is find somebody who can dance like him and sing like him. And they put him in one of those motion capture suits. And guess what? Fucking Elvis Presley. Elvis is back in the building. (laughs) So we're going to shoot for that. What about the, uh, now, the countries, the country hits? Yeah, I preferred that to... To the rockers? To the rock ones. But I still think... uh, Here's the thing. I I love country music. Yeah. But I have an idea of country music that does not include Taylor Swift in it. Which, by the way, is not to say that I don't like Taylor Swift. Okay. I do. But All right. Much like I often forget that Carrie Underwood came from American Idol, I often forget that Taylor Swift was ever supposed to be considered a country star because even her country songs aren't country no, songs. No, that whole that thing song, was engineered. That, that uh, she wears short shorts, I wear a t-shirt song. That's just a pop song, and if you sing it with a twang, somehow it's a country song yeah. now. No, that's bullshit. That, it was all this planned. This one's a bad song. It was all planned. You introduce her that's as a said, country artist. Yeah, that said, it was yeah. still a good performance. I thought. Um, now, my only problem I was. Like that, uh, What's her name? Diana... DeGarmo? Yeah, I like her. I was just going to say, my problem is when she was on, she came in second to Fantasia that season. Okay. But she was 14 years old. Wow. She was a little girl. Yeah. She's not anymore. Especially in that fucking skirt she was wearing. It's very short. And standing on those steps, I was like, bro, get a hairnet. That made me uncomfortable. 
Um, <laughs> what do you think of Harry's duet with that little girl? Hey, I mean, obviously, it's undeniably sweet. Yeah. And she couldn't have been cuter. The song. It was yeah. not a very good performance. <laughs> but he doesn't care because unlike the other two yeah, judges, he's doing good things here. he got to talk about his charity and he even got to do a commercial for his new fucking talk show, which if it's on after yes. Ellen, everyone's going to watch it. Uh, now, J-Lo's performance. He's great. Amazing. And the song's no good. Here's the thing. When she bends over and sticks her butt up in the air towards the audience repeatedly... Like six times. And for a long period of time each time. Like she's holding that pose. She is saying, <laughs> check out this ass. Yeah. Right? We are supposed to be looking directly at her butt. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. What's wrong with that? David, everything is wrong with that on opposite days. <laughs> My point is, there are times when you see something so beautiful uh-huh. and majestic that you have to stare at it. Now, many times it's an inanimate object, whether it's a sunset or a mountain right. or a statue, and that's perfectly fine. Sometimes it's a puppy or a kitten or just a beautiful grown Dalmatian that you can't take your eyes off of. Uh-huh. On some rare occasions, it is a gorgeous pair of breasts or a perfectly round backside. Uh-huh. And it is no different than everyone else. And if you can, stare, if you get an opportunity to stare at those things without being rude or creepy, without offending the person who ha- may be offended by of course, it, of course. There is nothing wrong with appreciating that. Good. And when it comes to butts, especially, because. That's the easiest thing to stare at on a woman without being noticed. <laughs> when I was in seventh grade, the uh, designer jeans fad was very big. Every girl in my seventh, in my junior high wore Gloria Vanderbilt, Sassans. Uh, who's that other guy? Gloria Vanderbilt, Sassan. There was a third big one, Jordash. They all wore these fucking tight jeans. And because they were girls from seventh to ninth grade, they were in various stages of curviness some of them had nice big round asses some of them just had kind of skinny but man it clearly did a number on me because to this day i am obsessed with women's butts and (laughs) i have always wrestled with the fact that man am i a creep for just staring at all these women's butts am i a bad person for turning around so i can see the butt of the beautiful woman that just passed me And, of course, I don't go woo-woo or pinch it or anything, but I do, and I don't go, you know, I don't even say, holy shit, under my breath. Have you ever, yes or no, inquired about whether or not you can get some fries with that chick? (laughs) No, but I did. I did verify the veracity that it was jelly. (laughs) So that that wasn't a problem. But Jennifer Lopez, of course, yeah, I mean, when she came out and was the biggest thing, Of course, everybody was talking about, wow, what a great ass. It's amazing. And she was posing. And it's just because, not that, unlike Nicki Minaj, who, you know, had operations, so people would talk about her boobs and her butt. Jennifer Lopez is Puerto Rican. She has a naturally big butt. Kim Kardashian has a naturally big butt. So she uses that in her career Hey, you want to hear me sing? Sweet. Check out my butt while while I'm doing it. Uh You want to hear, you want to watch me work out in enough? Like I'm a badass? Uh Check out these yoga pants. And there's nothing wrong with it. 
And it's perfectly fine to go see Jennifer Lopez in concert and walk out and go, oh my God, did you see the ass on her? <laughs> Holy crap. Because she, that's part of who she is, right? I, I, I think she does uh, present that. Yes. Yeah, and that's quite what? literally, she presented it yes. six times. She did. And right, everybody talked about this way more. Everybody lost their shit. All, All right. I said was there's nothing wrong with it, and then you went on to elaborate on that for why there's nothing wrong minutes. with it. All right, we talked about the three divas, Joshua Ledet. Now Joshua Ledet was the skinny black kid. He came in third. Oh, yeah. He's this, saying he's saying it's a man's world, right? Now, I, he, didn't, I didn't care for he, that. He came in third when he was on before, and uh, he should have gone farther, but there. I have a copy of him, uh, a recording of him singing It's Man's World. That was the best song he sang when he was on before. But again, he was maybe 16. Now he's 20, 21. He went from a boy to a man. And he's that per- the first performance was a little more genuine. This was a little more put on. but And it was, it, it was really weird. Like, his performance. It was just a very soulful performance. But I feel like if I paid to see that guy in concert, I'd be like, that was amazing. But in the context of yeah. this thing, it didn't seem to fit. It was really weird. Yeah, okay. I could see that. Um, we talked about Simon coming out. What does this say? D? D? Bernie? I don't know. Um, and then William Hung. That's that's a shame. I'm sorry that happened. That William Hung came out? Yeah. Really? Again, it's the history of the show. Even in... I think this is Valkyrie. <laughs> no. <laughs> this... This right here. Oh, David Bowie. That's what it says. Oh, yeah. We were going to talk about the David Bowie And we bullshit. did. Yeah. And it was the worst part. Um, but no, here's the thing. Even William Hung, you have to talk about this guy who came in, you know, uh, it became very clear during the run of American Idol that people are sent up to audition to be laughed at. Yeah. Because every person... That. Every person who auditions goes through a goes through a screening process. So either you you go up there because you're great, or you go up there because you suck. And if if you notice these last two seasons, Harry was on. They didn't do that. Everyone who went in front of Harry and the judges was good because I'm sure it's because Harry said this, this that we sh- we're, this isn't a freak show. Right. We don't do that here. The same reason he doesn't stand up for singing. Like, the other judges would often give a standing ovation. Harry never does. And he said, the reason I don't stand up is because this is a competition. It's not a concert. And I'm here to judge you guys. And I think it's wrong. And they were all like, fine, whatever you want to do. But that was a great thing, to not bring these fucking idiots up to make idiots out of themselves. Because unlike some of them, unlike William Hung, who, like he said, I have no regrets. And he was just a kid having fun. Some of them... Thought they were really good. Yeah. And it was sad and yeah. damaging. And one girl killed herself after she had a fucking psychotic break. She drove her car to Paul Abdul's house and then took an overdose of pills in front of it. And this obviously this all started when right. she auditioned for American Idol. And um, Larry Platt, they brought him at the beginning, pants on the ground yeah. guy. A, a, another big part of American Idol is not the idiots coming up and being made fun of, but the people who come up and just fucking don't care. Guys like William Hung, like, remember Simon didn't even make fun of him. He came up and he sang, and they all laughed and was like, wow, that was great. And Simon's like, so how much experience do you have? And he goes, I have no experience with singing whatsoever. And they all laugh, and Simon goes, can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> and it was fun and funny, and he didn't get mad, and he's like, no regrets. And because of that, he achieved a level of fame, you know, commercials and shit like that. 
So of course you got to bring him back for the big thing because he's William Hung, right? Alright. You're not a fan of William Hung? I guess that it just represents a part of the show that I never cared for. Yeah. yeah and you're right to not care for it. Um, but I will say, you know, after watching this show for so long, you know, it's what people say about like uh, Kanye and, Car- and the Kardashians and all that. They're, you know, the Kardashians are horrible people and Kanye's clearly a dick. But the impact that the Kardashian family has had on entertainment mm-hmm. and the way basically Kris Jenner and her company have manipulated entertainment to, to not like, hey, here's something you might like to you have to watch this. You know what I mean? And then yeah. people are, are, uh, are transfixed. Uh, and then same with Kanye. He's a fucking idiot. He's a psycho. But the product he puts out is dynamite. It's undeniable. And I think American Idol has done that too. It's like, yeah, look at this freak show. But look who came out of it. Kelly Clarkson yeah. is one of the greatest female singers in this country. And, you know, and people line up for Carrie Underwood every single year. So you can't deny that there was something about American Idol. You know, and even if it was like, well, Randy Jackson was a dumb judge. Well, he was in Journey. Uh-huh. He was in Journey. He played bass for Journey. I didn't play bass for Journey. <laughs> Tambourine only. Um, I did want to say, speaking of these reality shows, there's uh, the uh, Real Housewives of Dallas is premiering tonight on okay. Bravo. And um, if you ever wanted to know whatever happened to Tiffany from Beat the Geeks, you can find out by watching The Real Housewives of Dallas. Because <laughs> Tiffany was from Texas, and she moved there with her husband Aaron so she could do this show. So she's she looks exactly the same, of course, but she's on this show. I don't watch Real Housewives, any of them. But she uh, she's going to be on it, so you can watch and get caught up on all Tiffany's doings. All right. Is that it? That's it. Okay, so next week David won't be here uh, again. Why? Why? What's going uh, on? I just like uh, a couple months ago, I will be in Las Vegas, but this time, mm-hmm. not for fun, for work. Not for fun. Well, I'll be. Don't worry. It's I'm going for a, a convention related to my work, but it's going to be fun. <laughs> All right, but it's for work. So I'll uh, I'll tweet out who my guest is. I want to watch the Detour on TBS. Um, because that looks funny, but I uh, now what I was you, gonna pick the um, Togetherness series finale tonight. Tonight, um, yeah. But, but uh, do you think it's gonna be a series finale or just a season finale? Because I thought they wrapped before they got the word. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, it might play like a season finale, but it is the series finale because HBO's canceled the show. Right. I'm just yeah. But can you say that's a series finale? Yes, if it's the last episode of the series. It's but it's just finale. technically a series finale, though. It's not really a finale so much as it is a last episode, right? I see what you're saying, but by by definition, it's a series finale. Okay, so if you go to see a musical, uh-huh. and they do the whole musical, but they don't do the ending number, was the number they did before that the finale? By definition, yes. Wow. You are, you are very forgiving. But you have to... Write a musical like that and then say, here, watch this. Here he is with Mad Wolf, made it to Adam Lambert. All around me are familiar faces, worn out spaces, worn out faces, going over with the daily 
The dreams and wish I'm dying are the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you, cause I find it hard to take. When people run in circles, it's a very, very Tell me what's my lesson Look right through me Look right through me I find it kind of funny I find it kind of sad The dreams in which I'm dying Are the best I've ever had And I find it hard to tell you Cause I find it hard